Hello and welcome to Leviathan. We have a very special edition for you this week because we are joined by our guest, Aida Sheikh. Aida works with us in our parent company of Axiom Zen, and she's also a phenomenal specialist in biotech and biochemistry. So she's going to help us out with the, the whole edition today, but we brought her on so that she could give us the lowdown on our article of the week. You know, there's some surprises in store for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy Tuesday, everyone. Um, before we started, I thought we'd kind of do something a little different and ask Siri a question. All right. Have you ever wondered if you exist? A process. Therefore, I am. (laughs) That's an interesting answer. Thank you, Siri. All right. So we're going to dive right into our news from the deep. The first item on that is Space Drone learns how to see with one eye and zero G. I have a friend who can do that. (laughs) See with one eye? Bad joke. Um, So this is cool because they are using um, self-taught machine learning, right? So the machine is teaching itself, and it's doing it well already in space, which is a pretty delicate place to be testing out new technology. Lots of things can go wrong, and when they go wrong, they go very very, very wrong. So pretty cool that they're getting there. But especially cool, the whole being able to see one, with one eye thing is actually really neat because it means you only need one camera. So before you needed two cameras to be able to process the same way that our eyes work, right? Now they can somehow sense depth with one. I see what you're saying there. <laughs> <laughs> our second item is the CMU computer beats humans in Doom video game. So this is actually, it's less interesting that it beat humans, as Aida was pointing out to me earlier. Lots and lots of computers can beat people at video games. It's kind of the whole point of video games, is humans versus computers. If humans always won, it would be easy mode, which is what I like to play on. Um, So the more interesting thing here is actually that... They, these, these college kids built the CMU and put it into two different competitions. Facebook won one of the competitions and Intel won the other. They came in second in both, nice. which is pretty incredible that a bunch of kids from college can beat Facebook and Intel. Does that mean the, the big names are doomed? Oh, no. So it begins. <laughs> <laughs> and we move on. Yahoo open sources machine learning program to filter not suitable for work images. So we're not going to dive into the the hairy question of whether or not censorship is good and whether it's good that we are creating even more things to censor images. But we what we are going to talk about is how difficult it is and how interesting it is to differentiate between are these breasts art or are these breasts porn? Like how do you teach a computer? I feel like when a person sees it, we can tell right away, right? If something is like an artistic nude versus a porn image that you probably don't want your boss to see you looking at at work. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so really fascinating that we're getting to the point where we can fine-tune these algorithms to that point. Next item, tech giants team up to devise an ethics of artificial intelligence. So this is not new news to anyone who's been following Leviathan for a while. We all knew this was coming down the line. Um, All of the sort of big names, Facebook, Google, um, have teamed up to create an ethics board, but they weren't sure what it was going to be called or sort of what anything was about. So now it's all a little bit more hammered out and set in stone, and it is called the Partnership on AI. They're really stretching their creative muscles there. Do we know what they kind of want to cover? Um, The goal is to make it so that there is one group of people who have 
ethical oversight over AI research. So obviously they don't have any actual power, kind of like the UN in that way. <laughs> but the idea is that someone's going to be paying attention because we are getting to the point where it is important for us to sort of acknowledge the dangers of what we're doing as well as the excitement of what we're doing. So mostly I think it's good PR at this point, <laughs> but we'll see whether they end up actually, you know, throwing down the law and making any actual rulings or whether it ends up mostly just being, you know, oversight for the sake of PR. Machine learning, what companies get wrong? So I thought this was interesting because they kind of lay down a distinction between what is artificial intelligence and what is machine learning. And I'm not sure that I agree with them. So curious what you listeners think. Um, their argument is that AI is like building a brain but one that is unable to produce deterministic outcomes. So it can't do predictable outcomes, whereas machine learning results in predictable responses. And I find that fascinating, and I'm not sure that I agree with them at all. We can say that humans are predictable. It's just a matter of understanding all of the inputs. Absolutely. Correlating those to... That we would be predictable if we understood yeah. ourselves better. Or if we actually took the time into understanding what goes into a person's mm -hmm. output. Yeah. All right. Quick links. Bono, one of the investors in Color Genomics, $45 million Series B funding. Everybody likes Bono. It's not that exciting other than that. <laughs> and the Alexa Prize, $2.5 million to advance conversational artificial intelligence. So we're seeing a lot of these big companies doing prizes. It's questionable about whether it's really worth it for the people who are submitting because if you really come up with the next greatest AI conversational algorithm, why would you only get $2.5 for it? You should make your own company and force Amazon to buy you for, you know, a billion dollars. The story of most competitions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so it is now time for Aida's moment in the sun. We're going to dive into our article of the week here. So it's about um, the rare medical condition called Cotard Syndrome, um, which this article is wondering if it could provide clues to self-awareness for AI experts. So the argument that the author of the piece is making is if we can find out what makes a person feel that they... So I guess I should explain. Cotard sy Syndrome makes people believe that they don't exist. Um, so it's a psychological condition and it makes you feel that you don't exist. So this author believes that if we can find out what makes a person think they don't exist, we can use that to figure out what makes a person have a sense of self. So Aida's going to talk to us a little bit about why that is not the case. Over to you. Awesome. Cotard syndrome is definitely a very interesting area of research, and mm -hmm. it's a, an interesting syndrome um, in the sense that, you know, some people believe that either they're dead or they don't exist. Um, there actually has been a lot of work done in this area. Um, a, a great resource for that is the 2009 review article in the Journal of Psychiatry, which goes into um, a lot of the work, both physiological and psychological, that's gone into understanding um, the syndrome. Kind of the, the long and short version um, of what causes the syndrome, um, there, there are two phys main physiological components. Um, the first being neural misfiring in the fusiform face area. This is an area of the brain. Kind of think of it as the bottom area of the brain. Mm -hmm. And when your neurons misfire there, um, it basically uh, ends up that you can't 
uh, see any familiarity in faces. So if you're shown um, faces, say, of your family and faces of strangers, and they measure the electrical conductance um, in you to kind Mm -hmm. of see if there's any difference, there's no difference. You don't recognize any difference between them. And so then when you look at yourself in the mirror... Oh. You don't recognize yourself. That that whole familiarity concept doesn't exist for you. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, so basically, you know, you wonder, you're, you're not like, oh, this is me, this is Aida, or this is Ren. Um, huh. That's one part of it. Uh, another of the physiological parts is that um, you have lesions or holes in the, the parietal lobe, so that's kind of the, the top center of your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, those also contribute uh, to the lack of signals. Mm-hmm. kind of going into your brain to, to recognize familiarity. Um, the thing that they haven't really answered yet, um, because just because you don't recognize familiarity doesn't mean you can't, you know, even if you can't associate mm-hmm. what you see with yourself. The second part really is not being able to reject that hypothesis that you were dead. Right. So for some people, they just can't seem to, to kind of put that together. Um, so that's kind of, you know, it's an interesting area uh, that they can still dig into. Um, a lot of these patients do have severe depressive disorders and psychosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so COTARDS is treatable. Um, it's treatable with antidepressants, mm-hmm. electric stimulation therapy. Um, but kind of the gist of it is even though we do understand um, a lot about how COTARDS syndrome works, um, and that understanding doesn't translate into the reverse understanding. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, in programming, when you reverse engineer something, you can kind of understand how that program or software right. works. Um, but if you are understanding how Cotard syndrome works, basically the lack of self-awareness, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't mean you understand the flip side, which is self-awareness. Which is self-awareness. Um, Fascinating. So, so by understanding that we have a sense of familiarity with things and we have familiarity with ourselves, mm-hmm. that doesn't help us. Is Would there be a way potentially to make a computer have a sense of familiarity with itself? I think you could, but I don't like... You could program that it would understand that it is a computer mm-hmm. or that it can recognize certain you know features in other people or yeah. things. Um but I don't think that that translates into self-awareness, to self-awareness the way we think of it. And I don't think that we understand self-awareness. Right. Um, and so, understanding dissociation. Like, I think cotards is actually quite different mm-hmm. from from just, like, being the absolute reverse of right. self-awareness. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing. We were talking about the differences between the way um, scientists approach the brain and the way... AI researchers who are almost always from a computer science background approach things. This idea of in computer science, we can reverse engineer. And in medicine, that's not necessarily the way that we're going to look at things, right? That there aren't absolutes in the same way. Mm -hmm. So having one and trying to find the opposite of that, it's not necessarily going to be an exact polar opposite. So it doesn't have the whole like in vitro in vivo situation where things that are taken out of their system will behave Mm -hmm. differently from when they're inside their system. Right. Very, very interesting. Do you have any last thoughts you want to leave us with about cotards? I don't think cotards syndrome will provide the answer for whether machines can become Mm -hmm. self-aware. But I do think that, one, it's an interesting area of research, and I think that self-awareness, both for robots and for humans, is Mm -hmm. also 
a really interesting area. So definitely hope more work gets done in that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I think this is a big treat for our listeners and we'll be back to our uh, regularly scheduled programming next week. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And stay, stay super duper. Mm-hmm.